We don't have a beer though. Click. Oh no, I do. Just one. It's a really crappy beer. That's okay. Well, I'll put us. I'll put a sound effect in. Yeah. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Crack a cold one unless you're driving. <laughs> it's not my joke. Welcome to Polymuse. Crack a cold one. Get yourself a nice beverage. Sit down. Wet your lips. We're gonna dive into this juicy album. <laughs> Wet your whistle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is definitely the intro. <laughs> We're supposed to be singing our intros. This is the Polymuse Podcast. Dun, 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 dun. All right. With it. Pop with it. Polymuse with it. Welcome to Polymuse. Welcome to our lame intro. Ben didn't like any of mine, and I pitched some great ones. It was these. It was these. I just think it should be. It's just a little generic. It, it's almost there. Pop a cold one. Pop I the didn't top hate off. that one. <laughs> that was the best one yet. Okay. All right. Pop your top off. <laughs> Not an expression. <laughs> Recycle when you're yeah. done. <laughs> All right. So the idea of polymuse is that polymuse means when you like multiple kinds of music. Uh huh. So polymuse is myself, Ben, my cousin, Michael. Uh, musing. We take you on a musical musing journey, track by track album reviews where we go in depth on an artist. Today we are doing Living Things by Linkin Park. Yes, we are. Released June 26th of 2012, two years after A Thousand Sons, their 2010 release, and Haunting Party came roughly two years after in 2014. They're trying to stick to about a year and a half recording schedule at this point. So way closer than Minutes to Midnight, that whole little, it felt like a hiatus. They were working the whole time, but that break that we always talk about. But yeah, two years, that's a lot more typical kind of industry standard. Uh, this one was actually recorded March of 2011 to April 2012. This was the third album that was co-produced with Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Yeah, who they bounced ideas off of, kind of popped in and out of the studio to give his two cents on how things should, uh, you know, be arranged and his thoughts on the project as a whole. They just want him to like it, as they revealed in that DVD. Their whole thing is they're just like, I think he's going to, they always say he's going to like it. They mean Rick. It was, I think that they did very much value each other's opinions and, and liked working with Rick very much. So he knows what's very good. Very well respected. He knows what's good. Uh, the label did work with, well, tried to pitch different electronic artists for Linkin Park to work with on this album, as it is heavily electronic. Very much so. We do bring in some hip-hop elements still, more so than a few of the last albums. But mostly dubstep elements. Very much so. We do move away from some of the political points to more personal relationships and emotions. And we... I like the writing a lot more on this. Mm -hmm. I think the writing's a lot better. There's some really good songs on here. There's some really boring songs on here. There are some really boring songs on here. And we do have uh, a little bit of a switch up where we can go 30, 40 seconds at the beginning of tracks before we get into some of the lyrics. Yeah. So it takes a while to build up for some tracks as well. I think every single song has Johan intro like him doing some weird thing that's kind of unrelated but it kind of sets the stage i think they all ha have that 
as an intro, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but they very much wanted to work on uh, this as their own project and said, no, thank you, label will work on this. It is worth noting that they repaired relationships with their label at this point. Uh, they felt that they had not been getting royalties as they had been, and they had hired someone to come through and do an audit. <laughs> yeah, and they cleared out uh, Danny Hayes, who they'd been working with since they were called Zero, previous to Jester, Chester joining the band. Right, with an X. With an X. Zero with an X. Zero with an X. The old name of Lincoln Park. Yep. And so they... Uh, Cleared him out of there after some disputes. Wow. And cleared some things up and got proper royalties now for digital sales, which... Oh, my gosh. At this point was very important, as this was... Well, yeah. One of the first Linkin Park albums. So they were getting screwed out of their digital royalties, basically. Yeah, which is very important at this point now, as digital downloads were much more prevalent. Yeah, they got to fire that guy. So that was a very big, important point at this juncture and what year this was in 2009 okay that the audit was performed so sometime after that this was all resolved i imagine the audit took a little bit longer than that yeah but thankfully got that kind of cleared up and from some behind the scene footage you can see on on various clips here and there it looks like they had a much easier time getting this album together it was much more enjoyable. As you can see from past videos and recording A Thousand Sons, it was a very stressful work environment for the group. Yeah. They did not look like they were having fun in that video. Uh, I remember Living Things came out. It felt like super quickly after A Thousand Sons. It was like, hey, did you hear there's a new Linkin Park album? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, hey, did you hear there's a new Linkin Park album again? Like, that's what it felt like. It came out very soon after. Very kind of them trying to be contemporary. They're like actively trying to be, because they know that like metal and new metal and rock is kind of a thing of the past. They don't want to play the same music every time. Like they've already established they have to do different music on every album, which is awesome. But this album is super like EDM, dubstep. They're trying to compete with dubstep, basically. It's like they've been exposed to a lot of electronic music, like super, super heavy uh, bass music and synth music. And they bring that into their songwriting to varying degrees of success. It's very interesting because they did state that their previous four main albums, they were trying to bring elements of all of those in. And in addition, they always do bring elements of what's currently on the come up into their music. So Skrillex this year was nominated for Best New Artist <laughs> at the Grammys. Uh-huh. So he was certainly on the come up, and he did clean up in a number of other categories across across the board in other areas. So Linkin Park has to lose a little bit of points, a little bit of points for that. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but they even say it in the Thousand Sons DVD. They're like, we're not, I can't remember exactly what they say, but they're like, we're not trying to get a hit. We're trying to just be us. Like, whatever we make is what we make. But on this one, I like a lot of it. Some of it really hits and really works. There's actually some songs out here I love, but I do think they are going a little far in the direction of trying to like chase a trend on here. Yeah, like they're not at the forefront of this kind of music at the time. I think they do a fairly good job on most of it, bringing their own elements in. Uh, reviews were mixed, as you can imagine. Uh, it, it like like we've stated is very very heavy electronic throughout the whole thing, throughout the whole album. And that was 
all across the board, critics took it different ways. There were no horrific reviews from what I could find. It just very mixed from kind of blah, it was okay to it was, it was pretty good. Do you remember when it came out? Did you get it? Did you check it out? I definitely checked it out at the time. At the time, I was onto other music. I don't remember checking it out at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a couple of the singles. Burn It Down was certainly the first one that came out with the release when the album art was released. And I certainly remember what I thought at the time was a guy kind of falling apart into paper. He's like ashes. Yeah. It's That's cool. pretty cool. I remember that. Yeah. It's iconic. They did great on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to re-listen to catch all of the tracks. But I, yeah, I remember a couple of them that were on the radio, a couple of the big tracks. Yeah. But I certainly don't remember the whole album. But I I enjoyed it going back through and re-listening to the whole thing. Yeah, I always kind of kept it around. All of them. I eventually checked them all out as I grew up and then kind of kept each of their albums in rotation. So I knew all the songs on here, but it was always fun. I'm not sick of Linkin Park yet. It's awesome listening to these over and over again to make notes for the podcast every time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, like I stated, Burn It Down was released April 16th, 2012. First single? Yep, first single with the artwork. The second single was Lost in the Echo, released October 19th, 2012. Powerless was released October 31st, Halloween 2012, so a couple weeks later. December 7th, 2012, so five weeks later, Castle of Glass was released. All four had music videos attached to the single as well. This album also got a release as an instrumental acapella as well, with the tracks listed first as instrumentals and then it's just the acapella so you can listen to each part separately as well you see that a lot more in hip-hop but it's cool that lincoln park you know figured that out and added that to their repertoire i think you can get those for a few of the albums now too like hunting party and a few of them that's pretty cool because then you can do remixes yeah you can uh and then you can listen to i think going back and listening to some of the breakdown of certainly the you know as it is the acapella or the instrumental the individual pieces as you wish from different songs so that's kind of cool i like doing that certainly made it easier to review certain parts if you wanted to hear certain pieces Uh, a couple of the big albums that came out in 2012 lana de ray born to die one direction take me home mumford and sons baybell well justin bieber believe uh we had Nicki minaj drinking pink friday roman reloaded uh, Katy Perry was dropping her Teenage Dream, The Complete Confection. We had Flo Rida Wild Ones, which is big only because those singles were all over the place. You and I both DJed a few weddings in our times, and those songs are still played. You got to play that one. Yeah. Uh, so a number, uh, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. Oh, wow. Yep. Three Days Grace released Transit of Venus. So just a number. Taylor Swift, Red, Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares, Rihanna, Unapologetic, Flyleaf released New Horizons. So a whole bunch of memorable albums during this year. Justin Bieber, believe. That was when he was still a child. He's still a child. Well, he's mid-20s and married now, I guess. So, But yeah. All right, let's get into the (laughs) tracks here. So why is it called Living Things? What's the deal? I don't get it. I actually don't don't get it either. Yeah, I don't really get it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. Let's do track by track. So you got track one, you got Lost in the Echo. What do you think of Lost in the Echo right off the bat? So I had mixed 
feelings on this song. Mm-hmm. It's electronic-y. It's really kind of pop electronic rock. Super dubstep influenced. Very radio Super friendly. Super polished. Yeah, definitely. We open up with a nice Mike rap verse. Yep. And it is Mike on the rap verses with Chester on the chorus. A the very classic, catchy chorus. The classic way. So it's a nice switch back and forth here to open with both our, our vocalists. Yeah, you just got like a bunch of really kind of pretty synths going on, some kind of trashy drums. Uh, it moves, it grooves, it's got the wub wubs of dubs. But I don't really dig this song. It just seems so generic and so kind of trying to cram. It is kind of the sound that they were trying to find and narrow in on, and it had to exist, but it just seems so average that I gave it a straight-up C. So I gave this an S. Okay. So, and it worked higher up in my grading. It started around a B. Okay. And I know we don't like a lot of the singles which is what this was, and the music video depicts a gentleman going into kind of an overgrown area, maybe a wasteland-type area, and giving out photos in a suitcase to other folks that appear desolate or homeless. And in these photos, people kind of come to life out of them, past loved ones. And at the end, the folks that had the photos kind of crumble and fall apart, lost, kind of lost, and they fade into the photos. I don't understand the whole thought process behind it they're lost in the echo obviously but compared to some of their early early music videos it's it's better you got the bridge section gets super heavy with chester screams classic chester screams i just don't think it's enough lincoln parky it's too dubstepy poppy i like that we have both vocalists we got a rap we get a little bit of our rock we do get that experimental part of lincoln park I just, I, th- I think this has all the elements that you would want. Mike's rapping is not bad. Nope. Lyrically, it's it's pretty good. He's got some good yeah. verses in here. It works. You were the foundation. Never going to be another work. one. So conditioned, I could never let go. The sickness, then sorrow, then the shock when you flip it on me. So hollow, so vicious. So that gives you your subject matter of a foundation crumbling kind of right off the bat. The writing's better. I like the writing. I think it's fine. So what's it about? It's a, a foundation mm-hmm. falling apart, being mm-hmm. betrayed, being backstabbed, and not having someone's back. Fairly simple. Okay. But I, I, as much as we've talked about how Mike's rapping is not great, I think it's much better here. I think it's most of his verses are much better. Some of it's, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely better on this whole album. And it it works. Like, the... They always try to mix the rap and the rock in different ways, and I think most of it works on here. Yeah. so I, I just like to be a both vocalists. I think it's pretty good writing. I think it'd be great live. I think it's a fine single. We have the experience in Lincoln Park, but we haven't lost all the, the rock aspects. I think this has all the elements you want. You would re-listen to it. I think it's catchy. I get where it could fade into, well, what band is this? Yeah. But I think the Mike rapping kind of pulls that out Brings a little bit. That this is a Linkin Park song. I just think this should be... Re-listening to this album, I don't remember listening to this song as much. Mm. And if I'm putting a greatest hits of Linkin Park together, I am re-listening to this song. I can sing along with this song. And I'm saying yeah. this has all the elements of a Linkin Park track that I like. And I think this would be an S on my on my greatest hits. 
So on the last album, we agreed on almost everything. Yeah. Now on this album, right off the bat, I still think C. It just seems generic and average. Okay. It's not to me. It's not them taking it to the next level. Like it's a single. It is. It's kind of just them doing kind of some of the stuff that they can do. I get what you're saying. And I agree on on liking to see next level, but not every single thing can be next level. Sometimes you just need exactly what you expect from that band. And I think this hits all those points. It's their modern sound. It's kind of the genre defining. They stray from it and do other stuff, but it's like them kind of just setting up. I think this hits all their elements within that pocket. That makes sense. Yeah. To me, that gets to the (laughs) scene. I think that sums it up. Yeah. We just have different. Well, let's roll on. Yeah. Well, let's roll on and see uh, what else we think here. So our second track is In My Remains, not yours, In My Remains. So here we do have Mike and Chester again. Yeah, this one's got a lot more guitar and a lot more natural sounding drums than the last song. And I like it a lot more because of that. It mixes the rock into the dubstep a lot more convincingly. You've got keys on here. You got really choppy drums, some really awesome samples, synths. It's all six members just pulling it off, making really awesome assemblage of sound, a really good wall of sound. You got Chester on the verse, like kind of singing over some keys and a synth. Then it gets really heavy. You got Chester on the chorus as well. Uh, where they bring in more guitars. I think it rocks. I think it's kind of a dubstep rock song where you can really feel both influences. I agree. I like that we have Mike and Chester on towards the end on the bridge chorus outro. I like the the sounds that kind of come across as kind of like an organ-y sound as well. Yeah, as it builds, they add more synths so that the verses are different. Yep. I like that aspect of it. And I think we have quite a few tracks on here that are kind of that building. And I like the sound, but again, this, um, like you were stating about the previous track, I think it's just very radio friendly again and just very, uh, it's a little flat for me, I think. I think the bridge is awesome. It's got like just really clean keys and it goes to Mike singing. It's like like an army falling one by one by one. That part's awesome. Really builds back up and it hits you again with the chorus. They always, these are all just verse, chorus, verse for the most part with a couple notable exceptions actually, which we'll get to. But this song, just super basic structure, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, end on a really heavy, happy chorus. Really fits with the stadium rock idea, making something that people can immediately sing along to on first listen in a stadium full of people and just feel the vibe all together. So it fits with that. I gave it an A. I think it's a way more convincing version. I think track one is them being like, here's our modern sound. I think this is a more convincing version of that same idea. I thought listening to this whole album that it would be just a great live album yeah. as a whole. And I'd actually gone through the past four that we've gone through as the main albums and thought, man, even though you have Hybrid Theory and Meteora, this might be one of the best. For live. For, for live, if you were to play it all the way through. And that's I was saying that all the way back in 
the first live album we did that right. was like once they started playing stadiums that became part of the songwriting where they're yep. like how do we get that many people all on the same wavelength and rocking with us this one i think they get it i think they get it hey not as much writing in this one yeah the writing is not uh, all the way yeah there. what's it about it's about death <laughs> typically chester singing about broken hearts yep a pain hurts i like the synths on it yeah i i like it musically uh, for all the reasons that you stated give it a, i give it a b i give it a b i don't know that i i queue it up too often i True. do like what they're doing electronic uh, um, instrumentally eh, electronically as well i just wish there was a little bit more maybe to the writing i like the harmonizing like i stated it's an all right track a solid b so you got track three burn it down this album is a lot like the last, or a lot like a few of their albums, I guess, where they put all kind of the hits and the singles up front and then kind of the experimental stuff at the back. So this is yet another, it's a three-peat, it's another dubstep rock hybrid, slightly different. These are all different flavors of dubstep rock hybrid, but it's undeniably just them going full throttle on that type of modern rock sound. I like it better than track one, I think. I do believe. <laughs> it's very similar. I like it quite a bit. It was the first single out. You have to remember that. The music okay. video has so close to 305 million views Amazing. At this point. Incredible accomplishment. And it is, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that's nuts. It's because they're in every country, dude. Like, there's, They have fans all over the world. They speak to so many people. It yep. worked. It's stadium rock. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and the video's pretty cool. They're playing in what kind of looks like a uh, spaceship. It is them performing. And we have some slow-mo or froze, frozen poses uh, towards the end with them on fire. It's just a, a cool little music video of them performing. You got another song with Chester on the verse and on the chorus. They're a little bit less guitar, a little bit more synth than the last song. This one for me again is just, I understand that was like a big radio song. But again, when we have Mike rapping. Got Mike rapping kind of on a bridge. Yeah. Well, just, just a touch. And we have, we have Chester doing his thing. Very good vocals by Chester. And it's very Linkin Park at, at this time. So yeah. rock, a touch electronic. I'm leaning more towards the rock side, I think, on this particular track. And I I went back and forth on this track, too. Yeah. For me, I think this is an S as well. Wow. Which, earlier when we started this these podcasts, I don't know that I would have said that. Okay. Because I was like, let's find stuff that sticks out. That you're so sure is Linkin Park, just the weird stuff. But this is, I think, exactly what it needs to be. This was a massive hit. It's Chester's distinct voice. You still got a little mic on here. Mike Shinoda. True. Not like microphone, but Mike Shinoda. True. And it's just very, it's got a little bit of the electronic, which is what they're experimenting with. And it's still very, very Lincoln Park. I think it has the elements of what you need. You can sing along with it, even if it was beat to death on the radio. Yeah. So to me, if I'm putting our, our greatest hits collection, uh, and again, I think you're you're on, on board with me, like, yeah, mix it with like, what are we going? 16 songs or something like that? We'll see how far, we, yeah, how many we get at the end. We okay. Gotta, 
<laughs> that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. About 14 okay. from the whole career. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. But I I think this is on there. I, I gave it an this S. This makes a cut, huh? I may have to recalibrate towards the end, but right now I have this as an S for me. I gave it a B minus. I think the lyrics are kind of generic. I don't really like the burn it down, build it up thing. I think he, it's a little too cliche. I think it's better than track one and worse than track two. So that's where it, it's a, it's right in the middle there. Lyrically, it is open to interpretation. Okay. It's yeah. a, a very vague, veiled discussion of kind of what it's like to be famous and built up and torn down. So it could be relating to Mike and Chester as artists, mm-hmm. but it could have a lot of different meanings to the listener or specifically to the band but it's catchy you can sing along with it let's do track four lies greed misery how about an s for me how about an s plus for me this song (laughs) is nuts i love this song dude this is like super unique. It's them being influenced by dubstep and stuff like that without copying it and taking. This is where I, this is what I'm saying. This take for me takes it to the next level with it. It's where it's an experiment that works. It's catchy and experimental. You got Mike on the verse. It's really good rapping. It's it's competent rapping. Really cool hi hats. Amazing drum samples. And then the chorus is Chester screams with like an organ, like a really natural sounding organ. It's the craziest combination of sounds with a Chester scream. I think it's a good song. Yeah, this is exactly what you're looking for, for just a two and a half minute, you know, experimental for them banger. It's it's pretty awesome. My My grade, again, was all over the place for this one. I think I, I told you it was like a, a C-plus song, but I, I moved it up a bit. I moved it up a bit. This is like a B for me. I'm not sure that it belongs on my, my best of album, but it's very I mean, it's very unique. This is not anything else in their discography. Super unique. Very punk rock, electronica, yeah. and all the instrumentation that they cram in here is just very unique, and what they do with the vocals is different. The bridge <laughs> is nuts. He screams. We always love his screams, and we always give his screams an S rank, even if the song isn't that high rank. But on this, the screams, they are next level screams. Somehow, he takes it up to 11. He's been taking it up to 11 the whole time. He takes it up to 15 on these screams on this bridge. It's the part where he goes, you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. It's amazing. I think that's a great lyric. I think it's a great thing to keep in mind. I think in our culture, in our modern day, a lot of times we blame everything else and everyone else around us for our problems. And really, you do it to yourself. You screw up your own life. And I think that's a great lyric. You did it to yourself. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. It really wraps up kind of an extreme lifestyle that fits with the extreme like punk rock electronic instrumentation. I think it's perfect. I love songs like this. Lies, greed, misery. I give it a B and you play it on repeat. Oh, yeah, I would go straight to this. I skip, tra- I go straight to track four on this. 
<laughs> Next up, we have I'll Be Gone. This one is kind of generic for me. It's kind of a power ballad, but they kind of half-ass it. It's a little more epic sounding than a power ballad. It's yet another flavor, yet another flavor of of electronic dub post dubstep post rock whatever this is, stadium stadium music. Another verse, chorus, verse. Yeah. So not a lot of switching it up lyrically, so not a whole lot of variation in the writing, I should no. say. You got Chester singing the verse, and then you get these violins coming up behind him, which is kind of cool. The bridge is really bad. It's just like a kind of few chords and an instrumental thing and some stuff. It just doesn't fit. It's just like a little... They really, really wimped out on the bridge. Yeah, the the bridge isn't... It's just not as strong where it needs to be. The choruses are the strength kind of the beginning and again this song doesn't really come in with the lyrics until about 40 seconds in the chorus isn't there though either it ain't quite no it's not no mic whole... on here just chester I right think. as a I whole think. package i gave it a c minus and that might be generous i think this is the weakest song on the album i wrote c minus and then crossed out the minus i don't remember why i bumped it up to a c but <laughs> maybe for those violins i'll stick with a straight c Castles of Glass is another huge favorite of mine. I think this is this should have been the hit. I think it's a tragedy that this song's not as well known as some of their other ones or not really known at all as far as I know it was the fourth single, so it wasn't the first or second or third round pick. This is great. You got Mike singing. He's singing, not rapping. The verses, very cool drum samples, very catchy, very experimental. All of the instruments sound super unique, like a natural sound, but also an electronic sound, like something you've never heard before. The song did go platinum in two countries, and okay. it was used in the Medal of Honor Warfare oh, video game. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I got to cut the things out I said. <laughs> Did you know this song? Really? Like, really, though? I had heard it because it was in a video game, in the video game, I believe. All right, I'm going to cut a bunch of this, but continue. But I didn't know it. The track does have a music video as well that's military-related. Not super great, but it's, it's, it's fine. I like the singing yeah. in the track. They harmonize with each other. Yep. Doesn't happen every time. They Excellent. sound great together. Mike and Chester singing together. Can't get any better than that. It's something you don't hear them do enough of. Is uh-huh. Is the multiple members harmonizing like this? I wish that it wasn't it feels a little bland at times to me mm-hmm. personally, but I do like the singing on it. I started kind of low on the track. Uh I do like that we have some of the electronic things poking its head in here and there, some of the, the bee boops and various other pieces. But again, I consider it more of like a rock rock song than an electronic song. Yeah. Some of these tracks do tend to skew one way or the other. True. I don't feel that there are a lot that sit right in the middle. They keep stirring the pot and getting the different influences in there. I don't know if I said it. I gave it an S. I think this is a perfect chorus. I think the writing is great. The melody is great. The instrumentation's great. I think it just hits exactly where you want it to hit. I think it's catchy as hell. 
It is super catchy. I give it a B minus. Oof. <laughs> I think it's just kind of boring at parts. I think it's kind of boring. I think it's kind of perfect at parts. Okay. It's interesting how we lined up so much on A Thousand Suns. And it on is. this, we are like opposite ends on almost every song. It's, we, we are very it's interesting. Because it's so experimental. It's, they, they got their different amounts of influences showing on each track. So that's interesting how we we pick into the different the different aspects. I really like track seven, Victimized. It's an insane like punk rock metal thrash song, and I love stuff like that. It's crazier than some of the stuff on Hybrid Theory. It's more unhinged than that. It might not be as heavy, but it's nuts. Yeah, it only clocks in at about a minute forty six. Perfect punk song. Perfect. But yeah, Victimized and Lies, Greed, Misery kind of. The punkish Definitely. kind of tracks on the album. Mike singing the verses. He's singing, not rapping. You got Chester screaming the chorus. Sounds great. A one-word chorus. Now oh, a couple words. Never again victimized. Good lyric. Simple but good. Crazy need- samples tying it all together. Like really weird kind of falling down the stairs, drum rhythm, weird sounds. But it like goes throughout and kind of ties the sections. It's only a minute and 40 seconds, like we said, but there are different sections in here. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on yeah. for the brief runtime. Yeah. I think this is a B for all the elements that they're able to include and the high energy and having both vocalists in there, the strong screams from Chester. I guess it's a solid B. I could be... Sweet talked into into going a plus? there. I gave it an A plus, oh, dude. That's solid. They rock. <laughs> it's experimental. It's not a typical Lincoln Park song. It's a lot heavier than what they usually do. They pull it off though. They don't always pull it off. Sometimes it ends up being weak. This is not weak. This is totally legit. What do you think of Roads Untraveled? Track eight. Let's get a power ballad going on. What do you think about it? It was not one of my favorite tracks. We do have Mike and Chester. We do have a few verses, but they're just very light, very short. Not a ton of. You got Mike singing, going on. singing, not rapping. True, and that's great to see something a little different. But piano, just, and we love piano here. You got Cheddar on the harmonies, Polymuse. <laughs> so several elements that we love here. Kind of a boring song. Kind of a weak song. Yeah. The samples are nuts. It's like bells. It's it's really pretty, but it just it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't really build or progress. It kind of just is what it is. I think to the bells are so loud. They're loud and they're irritating, and they can draw your focus away. Yeah, that that's one of the first problems I had. Not necessarily, but if you hear the bells, you can't unhear the bells. <laughs> And until the guitars come in about two minutes into the track and kind of drown them out, and then they drop the bells drop out towards the end of the track, they're just kind of always there. And they could have muted them. They could have done something a little different. I think the track would have been great if they'd done something a little different instrumentally there. I give it a straight B for boring. I gave it a great well, I give it a straight C plus. I just they could have done something else here they could have done a lot more here it's a it is that kind of dubstep beat but it's a very chill version not like the amped up ridiculous version it's like the pulled back power ballad version but it's 
doesn't hit for me. And it is kind of a, a sad song about losing a friend, and there's always, you know, a place here next to me. It, it's just something that you could really, maybe the acoustic version would be better, a more stripped down version, because there could be a lot of feeling in it. They could have gone that way. It's piano, harmoni- harmonizing, harmonies, jeez. That's big words here today. <laughs> Harmonies, piano, stripped back, really heartfelt, and this is just not not it. C plus. I said uh, B because it's pretty. B for boring. <laughs> Skin to bone, track nine, not great. It's kind of a one-trick pony. It kind of just repeats and repeats and repeats and gives you this weird little creepy vibe. But it doesn't, it's not really a song, really. I mean, it is, but it's just not enough ideas in there somehow. Well, so here's my my thought on this. Uh, again, skin to bone, same lines repeated over and over a again. Lot. It was actually meant to be kind of a country folk song. I Although, can see I don't, that. I mean, I guess. I don't know how you do that, like that when it's turned into an electronic song with yeah. like four, three lines. I don't know how you could say it was meant to be a folk country song right. when maybe there are a couple elements, but. There wasn't a whole lot of writing. It kind of swings, and it kind of dee 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 dee. I don't know. It's got it's got the vibe, but there's just they should have done. Mike singing, singing, not rapping. It does. So I, for as simple as it is, I think it's it's got a, a country little, like you said, that swing. You could sing along with it. It is kind of eerie. So I actually kind of like it for the simplicity that it has lyrically. And for kind of the vibe it gives instrumentally. So I actually gave it a B. I gave it for, a... S- I, I completely understand giving it an, an average grade. But I just think for, you know, a lot of the times we'll say this is not that exciting, you know, and we'll move it down. And then other times we'll be like, hey, this is maybe not pushed as far as it could be, but it's exactly what it needs to be if for this lane and it is kind of, and it is catchy. It's something I'd listen to, and we kind of go the other direction. So in this particular t- case, I'm taking that road. They could have done more with it lyrically. They could have done gone other directions with it and done a few other things. But for what it is, I think it is something I would play every once in a while. Mm. And it's a fairly enjoyable track for what it turned into. So I'm giving it a solid B. I give it a C minus. This was kind of a skipper for me. It's just too repetitive. It's too. I just don't like the vibe of it. Bad it's vibes. Bad vibes. Until It Breaks is awesome. This is a song that it was is... originally three different demos. Three different songs. Yep. It's The Beatles did this trick where they would have different pieces of unfinished songs by different songwriters, and they would just cram them together and make one big super song where each part sounds like its own section with its own time signature and its own atmosphere, its own... It's own genre for this. The first section is a really eerie, trashy, boom bap, dubstep rap thing with Mike. Very cool. Really distorted vocals. Kind of awesome. Yep. Mike rapping about his, his come up, much like his Fort Minor bars. So the first part's very Fort Minor-like. Almost a little... Industrial, I very think. Fort very, Minor very like. Fort Minor-like. Then it goes into a Chester thing with piano. Very pretty, very intense. I think it works. It's simple lyrics, but it hits you. It's good. 
We don't turn away any piano here at Polymuse. It just breaks it up so much. It, it does. It just has such a different tone from all the synths and dubstep stuff and guitar. and. It's very, very brief. But yes, it does break it up. And we roll back to Mike again. More four minor stuff. Different different samples this time. They keep it moving, but it's back to that first vibe. Kind of cool. Still cool. I don't really like the lyrics. I think this is him kind of saying stuff that's just nonsense a little bit. He could have tried a little harder probably. Yeah, I I still think that his writings come along since Fort Minor, but it's I don't know, it's not what you're here for. No. It either fits <laughs> it either works or it doesn't. Like it's not the main attraction. It just has to be good enough and serviceable. This is eh, it's whatever. But then the third part Really cool, different sounding, chanty, almost surf rock, but not at all really. But like, it's it's not like surf rock, but it kind of gives me the same feeling as that somehow. It's just really chill music with like a marching snare, which is kind of weird. It keeps it chugging, but it's who's singing this? You got the we have Brad Delson on yeah, the vocals here, the guitarist. Yep, and this was again supposed to be a folky country-ish demo here so this was supposed to be developed into a different sounding track it's unique it's kind of its own style of music at this point so going through all three pieces here is one cohesive song until it breaks it's a nice collage almost it's a collage absolutely is i'd give it a solid b it's cool i don't know that i'm pulling it up to play it very often or throwing it in a lot of playlists yeah that'd be hard to do or list you know going man i really need to hear this track with three different completely different breakdowns in it right now yeah it's and and it's an album track it's definitely not a single it's definitely not one you pull out and listen to really yeah and again we do have all the lincoln park elements yeah we have singing we do have you know brad delson making a appearance here vocally very so cool. it's cool that it's three different things. I don't know that we're doing anything super pushed per se. And I don't yeah. know that we're doing something in the other direction. Like it's super good. at what it does. Right. So B. I gave it an A plus. I love stuff like this. I know what you're saying where each part on its own is not really that special, but I just, this type of experimentation is so cool to me. I would not put it on the mixtape, the S tier, but. And I don't go and listen to this one specifically, but I just love the genre mashup. It's just a so a col- I love collages like of of any kind, but I love this kind of thing on a record a lot. It bothers me more that it was actually like three separate things. Yeah, and then they're like, "We'll just put them together." Put if them it together. if it was a track they were developing and yeah. decided to go through three different That's phases. That's a good point. But to say because they could have broken it up into three one minute demos or yeah, whatever they decided on. But it was basically we're just gonna slap these three things, these three pieces together into one song. Not we're gonna develop a track and take you through these three stages. So how it was developed kind of affected how I thought about it, I would say. Track eleven, tin foil. This is basically an interlude. It's basically the cure for the itch 
of living things. It's kind of, I think, it's a Johan spotlight where it's just a lot of samples and drum loops and weird instrumental interlude thing. It was uh, an intro for at least some of their live performances, which makes sense. It's kind of a muffled, kind of sounds like it's in the distance. Like tinfoil, apparently. Yeah, exactly. That's it's where an I was intro. going with that. We're on the same page. It's an intro to Powerless. It's the same chord progression. It leads right into it. It makes Powerless even more epic. But that mute is exactly like tinfoil, kind of covering up that, keeping out the sound and building up into Powerless. I think it's just an interlude. I don't think we should rank it. A+. plus. All right. Powerless is kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's cool. What do you think about it? You got I, piano at the beginning. Oh, of course we have the keys at the beginning. Chester singing, singing, not rapping. I like this song a lot, like a lot. Uh, we have more of our, our two verse and a, just a lot of chorus, basically. A lot of chorus. But I think it's, it's beautiful in the way that it's written and sang. So we do have some of the instrumentals fading out to allow you to hear the vocals and the verses. There's all kinds of stuff in the instrumentals, violins, synths, pianos, drums, like samples of hi-hats ticking, doing all kinds of weird stuff. And it sounds very atmospheric. I think kind of creates this crazy kind of atmosphere in the background. So what's it about? Kind of being close to someone that's self-destructive and not being able to assist that person. So unfortunately, it's almost self-prophetic if that's the word self-prophecy unfortunately mm-hmm. and i think listening to this now obviously has a little bit different meaning to lincoln park fans yeah you know not that this is necessarily you know anything to to do with chester but i i, I think listening to this and certainly gives certainly makes you go on that thought pattern and just the piano and the way that it that hits you and his beautiful vocals uh, certainly make you think in a different way. It's really powerful. It's pretty. It hits hard. I, I'm i just going to stay true to form. I really like the experimental genre mashing ones. These kind of ones don't really do it for me as much. They need to exist to kind of define the middle, like the midpoint of their style. But I always like the extremes on one side or the other. So to me, this kind of a thing is a C plus. But I think you're going to give it a lot higher than that. Well, I'm, I'm going to give it a B plus because the, there could be more to the writing. They could have a lot of different things instrumentally. This could be a lot stronger song. It's more kind of the meaning and what could be taken now as a Lincoln Park fan. The lyrics that are there, I think, are very nice. And I do like the the piano and the fact that I think the instrumentation parts is kind of like, hey, let's listen to the words here and really emphasizes the vocals more than the instrumentation. So I, I give this a B plus. There was a bonus DVD release with Living Things as well. It included a live at the Admiral Splat in Berlin performance in 2012. That is a gorgeous 17,000 plus seat theater that opened in 1910. Great performance by these guys. A lot different than the last live performance that we watched. For starters, a lot more cell phones, a lot more folks recording the performance. A starch difference from the 2008 performance here as it was recorded in 2012. And we didn't have a lot of Living Thing tracks on here. Only Mm -hmm. one, actually. Oh, wow. Yep. As it was recorded 
just prior to the album release as they were still in the writing process. Lies, Greed, Misery was the track that they performed. Great song. Great song. Terrific song. I'm not a big fan of bands coming out and hitting me with something new right off the bat in a concert. If I haven't heard the song yet, I don't know the lyrics. Cool that it's new, but I can't sing along. I don't know the tempo, the rhythm. Am I dancing to this? Is it a slow jam? I mean, you can pick up on it, but I'm not a huge fan of a group dropping something new on me that I haven't heard before ever when they do a live performance. What is your thought on that? Uh, I think it's a great song. <laughs> they kept it to one. That's fair enough. Yep. Uh, they did perform Blackout as well, which is a track they don't perform very often. And they did come out to uh, a tinfoil intro, which fans at the time wouldn't know that that was tinfoil. And they went right into a great performance of Faint and Paper Cut. So we got a lot of nice Chester screams early. We have Mike very active. And just it was a, just a great show, great theater, folks on three sides of the stage, upper and lower rows, uh, indoor performance, of course, a theater. And just a great performance by these guys. It's high energy all the way through. I know that we net picked the 2008 outdoor performance and said that it had lulls in it, and we were not a big fan of that. But this is a much better high energy performance, and it's great if you pull it up on YouTube or wherever you're able to to check it out. Great performance there live at the Admiral Splast in Berlin. And super cool that they're always including a bonus DVD disc on all their albums or some of their albums and just keeping up with that trend. Awesome live performance. Now our next podcast we're going to we're going to cover Recharged, which was a remix album. But that was inspired by a subscription service that was partnered with Living Things here. So you could subscribe to the Living Things remixes when Living Things was released. And that was a monthly release of a remix track. And there were eight total, although the subscription service only released seven of the eight tracks. So they didn't quite make it all the way through. And that's because it inspired Recharged which is similar to a reanimate remix album. So we'll be covering both those topics, hitting on the subscription and the full recharge review on our next podcast. Overall, I like Living Things a lot. A lot of S-tier tracks on there. I think that the songwriting is great. I think some of the stuff is them trying to fit with the times a little bit too much, trying to you know stay modern instead of just you know, doing whatever comes naturally to them. Some of, you know, but sometimes they nail it. Sometimes it's like their their spirit of experimentation in a fresh new way, in a modern way. But sometimes it is kind of derivative dubstep stuff that I don't want to hear. Some S's, some C's, some D's. The yep. songwriting continues to evolve. Yeah, I like the new direction. Uh couple songs obviously i i really liked that would be on my best of collection so just overall the project was not one of their best but i think a couple standouts from here certainly worth the listen but okay overall okay see you next time